Good morning. Brother Mike Viscom, open us a word of prayer. Amen. Is that door closed? Okay. Already. This says, never confuse the will of the majority with the will of God. Because the, in the will of the majority, if you're a Bible-believing, born-again Christian, you have conservative values, guess what? You are a domestic terrorist. But you're not. Okay, you're a child of God, and we're going to be trying to, I've got to combine two lessons this morning to catch us up because we had the, the missionary. So you've got two weeks, they're very short memory verses, but you've already, should have already been able to see John Wall with them. Exodus 3.14, and God said, I am that I am. Okay, and then Exodus 20 and verse 3, thou shalt have no other gods before me. With that, and so with that, I'd like to have you open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2. And I won't be reading the passages, I'll be discussing a little bit as we go along to try to, to, to get this, the lessons caught up with this, okay? But you have in Exodus chapter 2, you have his birth, and then you have him fleeing Egypt. He was raised in the home of Pharaoh, was raised by Pharaoh's sister, okay? And he learned all the knowledge, all the wisdom of Egypt. Do not believe that there is no knowledge in the world. There is. Many times the knowledge of the world will agree with the knowledge of God, and other times it doesn't, okay? Finish this saying out for me. Don't throw the out with the, okay? So just because we aren't of the world, if you're saved, you're here this morning and you're saved, you're born again, you're not of the world, okay? Your decisions, your choices should be based on true knowledge, true wisdom, on the truth that is found in God and in his word, multiple stuff that's in the world is based off of God, that knowledge from God and God's Word. Many of the colloquial sayings that we have, and I'm not going to go after them, come from God's Word. I have a book in my, in my library, in my office, this is Why We Say the Things We Say. You know, like a little birdie told me, that's from the Bible. Okay, there's so many different things that you have when the... The world talks about science, and it doesn't try to push evolution at you. There's things that is true in science. But when it goes against the truth of God's Word, it's science falsely so called and can be refuted. Okay, The world has a religion. It's called humanism. Okay, And we are elevated beings. So far, except for when we have our extraterrestrials, we are the highest part on the evolutionary scale unless you're a whale lover and then the whales are smarter than us. That's just the way that works in this world. Okay, but he flees from Egypt. We have, we have Moses saved miraculously. I think it was interesting in this, this lessons, my wife and I just went down to Sight and Sound and saw Moses, okay, and don't argue with me, okay? There's good things about it. There's bad things about it, okay? It's not a scripture for scripture for scripture for scripture, okay, it, situation with it. But it did point out certain things that kind of dovetail into our lessons this morning. And that is, Moses struggled speaking in front of people. He was trained. He was smarter than so many other people. He had all the education. But they had him with a stutter, Okay, don't have to have a stutter to struggle to be in front of people. You can just be nervous. I've told many people my call to the ministry was God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. Because I could not talk in front of people. 
God's got a sense of humor in your life. Because he wants you to realize what you don't think you can do, God can do through you. So we haven't, he's born, thrown in the, put in the river, taken out by Pharaoh's sister, turns around, he's raised there as her son. He was being raised to become Pharaoh. So he had the wisdom of the world. He got saved out of that. You can say, well, I just know too much. There's been too much. There's too much that's gone under the bridge. There's too much stuff I've been exposed to, too much. God can't use me. To that I say, oh, nuts. All right? If you're living and you're breathing and you are willing to surrender your will to his will, God will use you mightily. See, so Moses learned the Hebrew heritage because the way God worked that out. Who trained Moses for the first five years of his life? His mother. And he was raised in their traditions. And you find, I want you to, if you look quick at Acts chapter 7 and verse 25, Moses had a desire, even as the son of Pharaoh's sister, to deliver his people by himself. So many times we think we can do it by ourselves, right? I, yeah, everyone, I don't get this. I pulled myself up. It was mentioned in one of the messages. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. How do you pull yourself up? Okay. I'm a self-made man. <laughs> well, you did a pretty rotten job of that, didn't you? Okay, when you have this, you have Moses. It says in, in Acts chapter 7 and verse 25, for he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And you know the story of what happened. He killed a man protecting a Hebrew. He interceded because he thought he was in a place of leadership. So he thought they would naturally want to follow him. So he, he goes out and tries to get into and resolve a dispute between two Jews. <laughs> there are stereotypical things I could go to that that doesn't just want you to understand. It's not going to work well, all right? And so then what they do, they say, well, what are you going to do? You killed the man, you're going to kill one of us. And then he knew, Pharaoh heard about it, and he ran for his life. And you find him on the backside of the desert. Okay, and that's where he is. If I want you, what I want you to do with this is I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 11. I want to see the continuing story of Moses and how God will use. He works not through who? Never confuse the will of the majority with the will of God. Remember that. You and God are a majority. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, they didn't understand that God was going to use him to deliver them. So many times when things go wrong, is you're trying to do the right thing at the Wrong time. What is the thing we struggle with the most? Waiting on God. For Him to act. Okay? Moses acted too early. Now Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He wanted to identify with the Jews, with the Hebrews, with his family, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Don't lose sight of that. 
Quite often we take things into our own hands. No one man in his own strength could release the Hebrews from their servitude. Because their servitude was brought on by God. For it is of God to will and to do of His good pleasure. You will go through things and you do not understand because you can't see the other side of it. You'd understand how God is going to use what's happening in your life when, to fulfill His will. And you you. you you got to understand that. He didn't know it, okay, so he got ahead of God. You, you know, what happens? A person says, I'm going to take matters into my own hand. I had somebody tell me, I'm trying to counsel with them, there's a major thing going on in their family, and they say, but I've got to do something. I don't know what i got to do, but I'm going to do something. You know what that is? That's a reaction. God doesn't work through reactions. He works through Obedience, submission, and the choice to fulfill His will. So many times, we get caught looking around when we should be looking at God. There's no way around that. I have to keep telling that to myself. Okay? Don't be looking around. Don't look just at the circumstances. Look at the God who will bring you not away from them, but through them. You still with me? Okay, so then he, at age 40, he has to flee from Egypt into the wilderness. <clears throat> he ends up in a place called Midian. <clears throat> Here he takes refuge. Begins a whole new life. He marries Zipporah, the daughter of, it says, Ruol. Okay, Ruol. We used to have a, uh, <clears throat> I don't think he's still the sheriff, I don't know for sure, but Oswego County, the sheriff of Oswego County used to be Rule Todd. Okay? Let's see, there's, that's a biblical name. Okay, but his other name that you know him by, the priest of Midian, is Jethro. And not Jethro Bodine, he didn't wear short pants. Okay. If some of you don't get that joke, that's okay. They don't get any better, you already know that. And he lives the life of a shepherd. Isn't it interesting? He's got to lead God's people from bondage through deliverance. And the job that he had in the wilderness was one that the Egyptians, the world, hates. He became a shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The shepherd, good shepherd, giveth his life for the sheep. Because the shepherd has to learn that it's not about him, it's about those that he is taking care of. Moses had to learn that. Do you know what 40 years in the world? He was 40 years in the world. And then he was 40 years in the desert, on the backside of nowhere, in Midian, as a shepherd. Why? So he could learn to lead God's way. Shepherds have to be with their sheep. So that when it's cold, they're out in the cold. When it's burning hot, they're under the sun. When there's danger, they must confront it to protect their sheep, their herds, their flocks. There was a reason why he became a shepherd. Did he know that? No. Sometimes what you go through, you don't understand why. Sometimes you'll look and you say, I've made such a mess of my life, I've made these choices. You know what God can do with those bad choices? He can take them and help you use them to keep somebody else from making the same choices. So he was made a shepherd. You find that in Exodus 2. Now we're back there. He had to learn to lead. 
the Jews had to learn that they were in bondage. Because you know what happens? You get involved with the world, you enjoy it for a time. There's pleasure in sin for a... And then they had to cry out to God, okay? And you'll find that in Psalm 34 and verse 17, it says, The righteous cry in the Lord heareth and delivereth. You say, but I've already told God what I want to change. Well, quit being a little kid and not getting the answer you want. Everything's immediate with a child. Okay? When I was a child, I thought as a child, I spake as a child. When I became a man, I did what? Put away childish things. Sometimes... You will cry out, and you're saying, God's not hearing me. So you stop crying. And you know what God's doing? He's trying to see if you're truly willing to wait on Him. If you're willing to look to Him. If you're serious about it. You ever seen that when your kids want something? You're trying to help them and turn around, and they want it, and they got to have it? Okay. Like a Snickers bar? Got to have it. And it doesn't come. Do you know the Bible teaches Jesus taught the parable of the unjust judge? Sometimes you're going to cry out for a while. And what are the, the parable of the unjust judge? You find it in the Gospels. He says what? The judge says, I don't care about God or man. But this woman who keeps coming to me and coming to me and coming to me and coming to me and coming to me. If I don't answer and deal with her situation, then she's going to wear me out. And Jesus said, learn the parable of that. Because God wants us. Can you wear God out? No. But so many times, we've got to find out if you're really serious about it. And you'll continue it. If it's something God laid on your heart that's truly a need, you will continue with it. Many times it's not. It's something you want without understanding their ramifications and God doesn't give it to you. So they kept coming to him, as I said, Psalm 34, verse 17, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth. Now that brings us to Exodus 3. Isn't that amazing? I just did a chapter. Exodus 3. Now when Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, see, that's I told you, rule is Jethro. His father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. There's your miracle. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why this bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that, he turned aside to see God and God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. So many times I want you to understand, when you're in the backside of the desert, you've got to be listening for God's voice. We want to make our petitions given to God. And I mentioned Wednesday night, sometimes you just got to sit down, be quiet, and say, Lord, speak to me. Moses says, here, here am I. And he said, draw, nigh, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where thou standest is what? Holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look on, upon God. And the Lord God said, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know they're what? Because our Savior is a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good and large place, unto a land flowing with milk and honey in the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up unto me, has come up unto me, and I... And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. 
Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. See, now is the time for Moses to go, because who is the one who's sending? Who is the one empowering? God. So many times you're going through a valley, you're going through a hard time, that's God conditioning you, preparing you, getting you to learn to wait upon Him, maybe learning to have leadership ability by training of what you have to learn to take care of and what you can deny of yourselves. You know something, I want you to know something. Every one of you in here, me included, is capable of doing more if we can get out of our own way. That I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. See, that's the key. I will what? I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God in this mountain. And Moses said, Behold, I am come unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, The God, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And what shall they say to me? What is, and what is his name? And what shall I say unto them? And God said, I am. God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel that I am it sent me unto you. He's keeping the, the flocks. He sees this miracle. It wasn't consumed. <clears throat> There's a picture here. Israel is like the burning bush. They were under and on fire, but not consumed. Child of God. The trial of your faith being more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried how? In the fire. In the fire. So we have a picture of Israel there in the condition they were, they were in a fiery condition, not consumed. God told Moses he'd heard the Hebrews cry, deliver them from Egypt. Now the amazing thing is God wanted to use Moses to, to redeem them. When Moses killed the Egyptian and ended up having to run because of his reacting, he thought he was capable. Right? Now he's been a shepherd for 40 years with his wife, his children. The Midianites were vagabond-style people. Shepherds, they were moving around to where the feed was and everything else. And now God's sending him back and said, now I will send you unto my people. It has to be through God's strength. You can't get away from it. He's going to bring them into the good land of Canaan. Got a question. Are you willing to be a messenger of God? People say, well, I can't witness, I can't talk, I get nervous. Well, let God talk through you. Hand the track and say, could you please read this? A famous preacher of the early 19th century had a horrible stutter. And he'd go in the streets in New York City and preach Jesus Christ. He led thousands of people to the Lord. Maybe it's because they didn't want to listen to him stutter. I don't know. But they would finally get his message. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in. I would most rather glory in my infirmities for when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, I don't understand how the Old Testament and New Testament fit together. Stop and let God speak to you. Look at what's taking place. You look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. I mean, excuse me here. Uh, yes, verse 11. And Moses says, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel? Well, who am I? When I'm weak, I am strong. And Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Then he says, And God, who are you? What name should I give them? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word 
was God. Right? John 1, 1. John 14 and verse 6. I am the I am. Always watch those I am's. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father <coughs> but by me. John 8, 58. When they didn't believe who Jesus was, and they kept accusing him, said, Abraham is our father. In John 8, 58, Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am. I am. I am the ever-existent one. There was no beginning. There is no end. <clears throat> I am outside of time. I'm greater than time. I created time so your pea little brain can try to see some things. So who is God? He's the I am. What excuses do you use to not serve God? To not speak up? <clears throat> when we enjoy something, I can sit down and talk to people about firearms and hunting for hours. I can listen to people talking about fishing. I, I can talk about sports because I used to love to play them. I like watching them. Then I, do I have an excuse not to talk about God? People can talk about their work. See, it's what you dwell on, isn't it? Okay? So you have that. <clears throat> so what do you see? He tells them, I'm sufficient. I'm the great I am. Go do what I told you to do now. Now you're ready. You've learned to be a servant, to serve the sheep. Go. So he goes back to Egypt. In his weakness... God even gives him a little bit of help because he says, but I can't talk. He says, what about your brother? Isn't it funny that Aaron just happened to be coming looking for Moses in the wilderness in Midian? And he says, here's, here's Aaron. He has no problem speaking to anybody. Aaron's a big mouth. Aaron can talk to anybody. Aaron's one of those ones who could sell you a car. When you live in a high-rise building with no place to park it. Right? So he's got the, he, he gives them Aaron to comfort him. And they, they gathered the elders of Israel together in Exodus chapter 4. Verse, look, turn to chapter 4, and I'm sorry about my voice. Verse 29. <clears throat> and Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in, in the sight of the people. And the people believed when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and he had looked upon their affliction and they bowed their heads and worshipped. So he came and he said, they believed him. You notice that it says they believed. Our Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, Greek seeketh after wisdom, but Jews require a sign. So what do you have? Stick your hand in the robe, you pull it out, leprosy. Deadly disease at that time. It's deadly disease in many places around the world. It has not been wiped out. Sticks the hand back in, pulls it out, it's healed. Takes his staff, his shepherd's staff. Throws it on the ground, it turns into a deadly serpent. Goes over and picks it up by the tail, which you do not do with a snake. You get right behind the head, right? Because you control the head, you can't get bit. He picks it up by its tail. Staff. Look at the miracles of God. Oh, we believe God. We believe God. He gave you a little miracle. Well, guess what? Unless you're Jewish, you're not supposed to be looking for signs. You're supposed to walk by faith. That's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not Seen. You still with me? So they believed him. He demonstrated his power. They saw the signs they worshipped. How does God produce belief in us today? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the what? That's why the word of God is so important. 
What's the greatest sign of all time to show that we can have eternal life? The resurrection. Okay, we just finished one lesson. Do you realize that? Now I'm going to do the second one faster. So now we have, they believed him, the end of chapter 4, Exodus chapter 5, Moses and Aaron are going before Pharaoh. Look at verse 1. And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus said the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Let my people go. Yeah, sure we will. By this point, God had already had a hard heart towards the the Hebrews, right? He hardened it more, and you kind of say, did God do that to him? No. Got to remember, God always uses the choice we make, and then let it get that gets emphasized in our lives, right? <clears throat> God wanted to show His wonders in Egypt to His people. If Pharaoh hadn't hardened his heart and said, okay, just grab your kids, we'll send you with a bunch of stuff, you can go do your thing, but come on back. He didn't do that. He made it harder on them. The message was simple. Do you know what the message of salvation is not difficult? It is not a hard message. It was let my people go. If you look in your Bible and you count that, you know what you're going to find? Pharaoh was commanded seven times, let my people go. Seven times he was told, let my people go. We're not going to look them up. You can look them later. So they took away their straw. They made them have to make more bricks that they didn't like that, so then they didn't let them go. They came to him. They said, "Okay, now you're going to have to go gather your own straw to make your your mortar and make your bricks." You find them when you read the story, and you know what happens? The world makes it harder. Pharaoh made it harder, and they're even getting the the Hebrews were getting beaten. Look at Exodus chapter five, verse twenty-one. I'm going to read verse 20. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way, and they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge. See, this is the people saying to him, Because ye have made our savor. That's the taste in the mouth, like, you know, savory meat. Or when you savor something as you're enjoying it. So that made the taste of the Hebrews in the mouth of Pharaoh and the Egyptians bitter. You've made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak thy name, he had done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Moses is questioning. Guess what? It's okay to question. Moses was the friend of God. But it doesn't remove the need to obey Him. That's the key here. You will go through the hard time. Before you can get to the mountaintop, you've got to go through the valley. You can't get away from it. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. You need to remember, God is always good. God is always right. I don't always understand, but I need to obey him. You still with me? It's important to know that God is at work. And so you need to know that sometimes God gives us promises, reassuring promises to give us comfort and encouragement. Every Sunday morning I get a text from Lorraine, okay, Lorraine Schaefer, saying, Marty and I are praying for the services. Tell Pastor Kenny we're praying. We're praying for you, preacher, as you teach Sunday school or if you're, pre- you're, t- you're preaching, whatever it is, and then gives me verses of encouragement. 
That's a hands full on purpose. Look at Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm, with, a great judge, with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And ye shall know that I, I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. See, he's going to bring them out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. He's going to rid them out of their bondage. He is going to redeem them with an outstretched arm. He's going to take them as his people. And I will be your God. And I will bring you unto the land, verse 8. And I will bring you into the land concerning which I did swear to give Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob. And I will give it you for a heritage. I am the Lord. See, Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was Did he see it on the land here? The promises were given through Abram to Abraham when he became Abraham, given to Isaac. Laughter, laughter at God, performing a miracle. Given to Jacob, a supplanter. His name means to supplant, to take something that belongs to someone else. And God made him a new creature, made him Israel. And we've looked at that. And he's telling me the promises that are coming that I gave to them are coming to you. And I'm going to show you the wonders now. I'll bring you into the land. Can you see any promises there spiritually that apply to us? When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're no longer a slave to the devil. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. You're no longer a slave to the devil or to this world. You can have the victory. So many people won't look for the victory. Ephesians chapter 2. You hath ye quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. He's made you alive. Wherein time past ye walked according to the what? What the world was doing. The course of this world according to who? That's another name for Satan. The spirit that now worketh in the children of See, because there's going to be the key. Obedience, disobedience. Among whom also we all had our manner of life, our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You're no longer a slave to the world and to the devil. You've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, if you have the right Bible. Okay, go to Ephesians, let me see here, chapter 1, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgive, the, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, you say, why is it important? Because you know what they do? They take the blood out, the other Bibles. In whom we have redemption, how? Through his blood, even the what? Forgiveness of sins. We've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. So, so much so that you're no longer of the world. You are a weirdo. Do you know that? 1 Peter 2. Verse 9, context is you are saved, it's in the present tense. But not that you're going to be this, even though that's, there's the eternal sense to this. It says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Every believer is a priest of God. We are to bring the lost to God and to present God to the lost. We are to minister to those who are in suffering in pain, in sorrow, in distress. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a what? Boy, he's a peculiar one. Mm-hmm. Okay? A, partic- a peculiar 
people. That ye should show forth the praises. Now you're peculiar because you're supposed to show forth who? Hezekiah got in trouble because he showed forth his house and his riches. One of the kings of Israel. Don't know the story? Go read it. When he was supposed to show the Babylonians the temple in the worship of God. Old Testament missions. They come to Jerusalem, you take them to God. New Testament missions. You are the temple, you go to them. Okay? To show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness unto his marvelous, what? Light. Isn't that amazing? A peculiar people? He's going to take them to the land promised. The Hebrews. I am looking for a day when my body won't hurt all the time. I am looking. Now that's selfish. Understand that? But you know, God's used, and I prayed. I said, I want to minister hurting people. I want to be able to relate to them. Okay, I'll let you relate to them. He will use your affliction for his glory. But he's promised the Hebrews a land flowing with milk and honey. You know what I've got coming? And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and he himself shall be with them and be their God. Isn't that just what he promised the Hebrews? And God, we have something he didn't promise them. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are what? Revelation 21. That's what's promised to us. Promised to us. Back in Exodus. Chapter 7. We won't read it. Okay? From Exodus 7 to Exodus chapter 12, you have God showing His power against the world. Egypt was a type of the world. And their false gods. So many of the false gods are tied with the mother-son worship. Because Egypt was, now here's a fancy word for you, ready? They were polytheistic. That means they had many gods. India, 3,300,000 separate deities they worship. From the bugs to the rats, the cows, the snakes, more bugs. You know, you see anything with Egypt? They worship the scarab, that beetle. So many of the things. Now you watch. Instead of worshiping God and worshiping his creation, okay, Romans 1.25, let me give you the verse. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and served and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You cannot be a born again child of God and not truly believe in creation. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. His first identification was the Creator. Now, you don't have to believe that starting off to get saved, but you will believe it if you go into God's Word and you start looking at things from God's view. See, they worship the creation. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. There's only one God and there's only one way to heaven. There's not many ways. Hindus, uh, Hindus are not my brother in, in God. Muslims are not my brother in God. They don't worship the same God. They worship the moon God. Allah is not 
the creator God. It's a different God. All the other gods they worship, you know, they worship crocodiles, they worship so many, so many different things around this world. They worship spirits. Now, so what does God do? He sends plagues against Egypt. Why? Every plague attacked one of their gods. You ready? In Exodus 7, verses 20 through 21, And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded. He lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of the servants. And all the, the waters that were in the river were turned to what? And the fish that was in the river died and the river stank. And the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river for there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Okay? First god he attacked was the god of the river Nile. That is Kum, K-H-U-M. He was the guardian, okay? And the Hapi, 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 I think of the Hapi Indians. The Hapi, it says H-A-P-I, he was the spirit of the Nile. So he wiped out some of their gods. Exodus chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. There's a famous message you want to listen to. I think it's by Hugh Pilate's Another Night with the Frogs. You can make a choice for another night with the frogs. Go ahead and look that, the passage up. Or look the message up. It's an excellent message. And so what did he do? First he turns the, the river Nile into blood. And then he made frogs come out of, of the river and they just overtook the land. Can you imagine you pull back your sheets? This big old bullfrog's looking at you and goes, ribbit, ribbit. You know, you handle frogs a lot. You know, you can get what you can get from frogs. You can get salmonella, just like kind of turtles. A lot of diseases and stuff. But the frogs, they represented the goddess. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? The frog and the goddess. Her name was Hecht. H-E-Q-T. H-E-Q-T. Okay? That's who assisted the women in childbirth. Why would they have a frog be that? I have a pond behind in my yard. They lay their eggs, and the next thing you know, um, it sometimes can be, it, we've had times on our lawn that it was not very nice. It, we kids, you don't want them to see it because the, the frogs are mounting the frogs in the backyard. And then they go and they lay their eggs, and they come in, the eggs are laid in the pond. The next thing you know, one frog's laid eggs, and I got 500 little squiggly things. So it has to do with fertility. That's why they, they worship the, the frogs. Next, the dust on the ground, and that's in Exodus 8, verses 17 and 18, becomes lice. Because that was an embarrassment to Gib, who was the god of the earth and dust. Every plague attacked a god. You had swarms of flies covering the land, Exodus 8.21. Who is the Lord of the flies? Beelzebub. They worshipped Beelzebub, Lord of the flies. You had the cattle got diseased and they were killed, Exodus 9.6. Cattle, that's bulls, cows, and rams. How many of you have seen the Egyptian God shows the God with the head and the antlers and the stuff coming out of it? Okay, because they believed that bulls, cows, and rams were inhabited by the spirit of the gods, Apis and Hathor. They'll let a baby in, in India starve to death if they have to choose between feeding their cow or their bull or their baby. Ask my wife about it. If you get killed in the street, by a cow, you're nothing. They'll put you on the shoulder. Maybe the family will come and get you. Maybe they'll burn you. Maybe they won't. You kill the cow to protect yourself, they kill you and your family. Okay, boils plague the man and men and animals. Exodus 9, verses 8 and 9. That was power over Sererapis. Okay, the boils. If you ever had a boil, it's nasty. It's a, blood, it's a blood illness, okay? Boils are nasty. And that's Serapis, the god of healing. 
The hail and fire struck the land in Exodus 9, verse 23. That was power over the sky goddess. <laughs> I like this. You know what the name of the sky goddess is? It's really hard. N-U-T. The goddess Nut. <laughs> Why is it a woman that says Nut? I, don't, I can't go there. How about this? In the Exodus 10 and verse 13, the locusts destroyed the crops. Seth is the god of the crops. And Nephri is the god of grain. And they were destroyed. Darkness struck the land in Exodus 10.22. That was the power of their primary, highest god is Ra. He's the sun god. And God made it darkness. And then the firstborn were killed who didn't have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And this was against all the gods because they did not have power of life and death. God did. I saw a picture yesterday. I can't remember in the text of it. You know what they did? Because we're such horrible people, you know what they did? They put the rainbow symbols down the sides of the doors of a house and over the doorpost where God told the Hebrews, to put the blood of the Lamb. Do you understand that? So if you believe in the blood of the Lamb, you're a murderer. Because the death of the firstborn was against all their gods. Against all their gods. And what did God do? He protected the Hebrews through it. Moses gained his street cred. God must be with him if he could do this. The Egyptians finally were willing to let him go. And God had displayed his power over all the false gods of the Egyptians. And God says, I will have no other gods before me. All God's people said amen. Take a break.